Calgary football fans, this is your quarterback, The Bo Show with Bo Levi-Mitchell on Sportsnet 960, brought to you by SML Entertainment. The Bo Show for SML Entertainment, pool tables, hot tubs, patio furniture, and much, much more. With four locations in Calgary, Cross Iron Mills, and Red Deer. Go to smlentertainment.com for details. All right. Well, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. That was uh, a Thanksgiving to forget. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I will take it. Well, you, break, you got rid of history. You got the money off your we back. Got, you we got it, it, man. That was the wrong way to do it, but I'll take it. Yeah, I, mean, I think uh, quarterbacks were probably the most cliche when it comes to answers, um, you know, interview-wise and things like that. Um, and, like, usually after a quarterback plays great, you know, like maybe throws, you know, whatever, four, five, six touchdowns, and they lose the game still. Like a Matt Ryan against uh, Drew Brees, they said, you know what, I, I'd take all that back if we could win the game. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I'll go ahead and uh, I'll use that excuse. Um, I'm okay with the way things went down because we won the game. Uh, wish we could have made it easier, you know, especially myself. But um, hey, man, it's one of those games that happened. Um, you know, I look back at it, watch the film, talk with Dave about it, um, and it was it was a, definitely a tough one because you know we we really got what we expected to get. It wasn't too many surprising things. Um, just felt like we were being outcompeted a little bit, huh. you know, and that's something that. Uh, as an athlete, kind of drives you crazy because uh, you know you look at a team that Montreal were. They were they were three and eleven before the game. Um, you know, not having too too much to play for. You know, maybe besides jobs for next year. Um, you know, we're letting them out compete us. So that's that's one thing that got to me, bothered me a little bit. But um, you know, the, the the funny thing is, everybody talks about Montreal and why. You know, why is it that we've lost there the last five years? Um, well, you can, went early this year. You we went, went early. You went in early. You got all your <laughs> We went a day early. I can tell you in. for a fact it's not because people going out. No? No. I stayed in, watched a movie. You know, we got to sleep the whole next day. Like, just focus on football for the entire day. Uh, and I had one of the worst games of my entire career. So. <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, next time you, you go to Montreal, you got to go out there. I'll let you tell the wife that. Yeah, <laughs> good luck with that one. Um, yeah, man, it was just one of those. The, you know the funny thing, man, the one that gets me, the birds. Yeah, the stupid seagulls. Is it were driving ruined. y'all crazy yes, watching? Yes. Well, how about it wasn't oh. this game? Wasn't as bad this game on TV, but it was the game before this, when Johnny uh, Manziel threw his first touchdown pass, and there was like literally two hundred of them that oh. flashed across the screen. <laughs> there was one point. <laughs> how in the do game, you not fix this? Man, I mean, they're they're always they're always kind of flying crisscross. But there was one point in the game where about fifty of them just came. You know, almost not in a flying V, but they just came in a group and went across the field, and the entire crowd went crazy. Jeez. Like the entire crowd just cheered, and I was like, "This is what we're cheering for." That's, well, there wasn't a whole too. lot. There wasn't a whole lot. There to was sink not. Your teeth yeah. into. the best air attack they've seen in Montreal all year, to be uh, fair. See, that is Johnny Football looked good. Like he's looked good the last two games. He looked good in the first half, but I give I give your defense a lot of credit. They made the adjustments and and they turned him into what looked like a really dangerous quarterback in the first two quarters into a guy that you know running for his life couldn't do anything <laughs> off of turnovers, couldn't do anything on first down, and was running for his life the entire second half. Those are some those are some big time adjustments. Man, yeah, I mean to give to give the defense credit, man. Um, I mean the hardest quarterback to play against is a guy that can not only stretch the pocket, but can make plays and keep his eyes downfield while he does it. Because there's not a lot of guys that can stretch the pocket, but keep their eyes downfield and see. And, and he was doing a great job of really getting guys open 
you know, by scrambling. I mean, he was on purpose scrambling to the right to throw across the field to the left. And that's what gets you because typically as you break the pocket, if you watch me on film, I break the pocket and scramble right. Everybody on defense just moves right. It's just natural. Your eyes, your body, everything moves right. So a quarterback, naturally, you look the opposite way, but it's the most dangerous way to throw, you know, across your body, across the field. Um, he made some great throws, but at times that's going to wear you down. You know I mean? he's yeah. We're all human. At some point you're getting tired, and, you, and we've got D-line, you know, five guys just change in and out, and they can just continue to run. So I think – uh, I think at some point it kind of it wore on him a little bit, but definitely I, I see from Johnny I see a lot of progress, and and to me I see a future of a guy that is going to be good in this league, you know, for a while. Once he uh, if he decides to stay and decides to commit to it and and you know give it everything he has, then I think yeah he's going to be very successful. Needs an O line too. You guys with four pressuring were able to you know get pressure on Manziel seemingly the whole second half it seemed, even though that front four was outnumbered like it was just especially in the last couple drives effortless to get the you know to break that pocket so to speak yeah i mean god we have a special d-line you know i mean you're looking at micah johnson jagari davis i mean every one of these guys junior attorney anybody that's going in you know law came back this week um i mean what's scary to me is you know I, i i'm coming off the sideline you know punt teams coming on all of a sudden defense runs on there and James Vodders is standing next to me. I'm like, how is this guy not on the field right now? Like, he's one of the most dangerous passers I've seen in a long time as far as just a, you know, a freak of nature, athletically gifted, but smart and sees things. And, and he's sitting on the sideline, you know, playing special teams and waiting his turn. And, and that's crazy to me. You know, that shows that's the depth we have. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That shows exactly the depth we have. Um, it's pretty special, really. Well, I mean, is there another – interior D lineman in the league that can do what Micah Johnson can like he's has oh man I mean I, the only one that draws probably the same attention is is Sewell and then Ted Laurent, I was gonna is, say Laurent is, and right, Hamilton. is right there you know what I mean um man the, the guy in Montreal 97 he's a he's a dog yeah yeah that, that you got to spend some extra attention on him he he kind of he I mean our O-line was doing a good job of of still picking him up but he does a good job of pushing the pocket and making you kind of scoot up and uh and that's something they were doing a little bit to, to kind of get us. And, and he's, I mean, he's a guy that nobody knows yet, but we'll know, I think, as the, the years come on. Um, Just a thought real quick on yep. on your play. You said it was one of the worst games you played, and it was weird because you, you stayed in and you watched a movie and you rested all day. What wasn't working for you, and did you feel like you just didn't have it, or was it just a bad circumstance of, of events or decision-making? What, what what bothers you about your performance? Yeah, I mean, I think what bothers me is that um, is I stopped trusting the guys because, you know, we made a couple of plays early. I felt like I was putting the balls in the right spot, and then we had some drops, and we just didn't have any plays being made. And at that point, um, you know, as a – as a competitor, I kind of looked at it like, all right, I need to do a little bit more, you know, so I kind of start to press a little bit. Um, and even when I'm scrambling to make some of these throws and some of the things are getting dropped, I'm like, all right, I got to do a little bit more. You know, I've got to scramble a little bit longer to let the guy get a little bit more open. Um, so it's not a one-on-one contested catch and man every time, but the guy can catch the ball and make a move on a guy. Um, and it started, to me, it started slowing down my decision-making a little bit and trying to be little too fancy at times um you know to me the third the third pick the one scooting up in the pocket uh and right as i go to throw as i'm getting hit that's that's one of those where you know either find a guy that's open scramble up get two three yards but don't put a ball up there right um you know for, for prayer yeah, yeah but to me it was it was one of those that it's a play i've made two or three times this year throwing to brisk um 
you know, scoot him in the pocket and seeing him one-on-one with a smaller DB, I just didn't finish the throw and I let it, I let it kind of sail. And, uh, and that's just one of those things you just can't do. So, yeah, I think what bothered me is putting too many balls in the air that, um, that weren't, they had potential of getting picked off. You know I mean? There was another one where, you know, Tommy could have picked one off. Uh, there was there was an, two more balls that probably could have picked off that game, really. Good to have Rodgers back, though. It is, man. It is. Um, he's still getting comfortable as well. You know, I mean, right now, um, you know, we're trying to find the perfect, really the fit of where to play each guy. Um, because, I mean, really, Mark Keith, he's a natural X, um, you know, and that's Eric's position. When DeVaris comes back, DeVaris is an X, so... You know, we got to move guys around, kind of try to find out where guys are going to fit in the lineup. Um, and you've got Bresk, really, that's been, you know, playing well and playing at every position. So we're trying to figure out, you know, what is the best place to utilize him. And um, and that's, I think that's a good thing. I, I think it's a good thing that we're going to have to mix some things up here in these last couple of games and kind of find our, our niche going into the playoffs. And uh, it'll make it tough for teams to kind of know what we're going to do. So you're still getting used to where everybody is and everybody's role with all the injuries? Like, is that still something that you're – No, I mean, last last week I thought we felt good because Mark Keith had been practicing at X all, all year. We, You know, he had a good game, so we moved him over to Y thinking he could, uh, you know, take care of that. And, and like we've always said, Y is a very, very tough position in our offense. Uh, there's a lot of nuances, and he did a good job of – of detail wise and um and he had a couple drops but he's a young guy and and honestly i thought he um you know he just there was just moments where you know things just didn't work out the right way whether yep. it was him or me and uh and breast came back in and started playing well for us you know so um we'll we'll kind of find out what we're gonna do and we've got a lot of guys that are still waiting the wins you know you got chris matthews now that it's gonna still take him time you know to learn the offense but uh yeah he'll be a guy that can get in there and kind of helps out towards the end it's weird. Like you've got, you're in, like you're in the driver's seat right now. You very much control your own destiny. All you got to do is win twice more, and you guarantee yourself the West Division. But you could do it as early as this week if Saskatchewan loses and you beat BC. But it's got to be. I mean, it's not like it's a spot you're not used to. But it has to feel nice to know that, regardless of what happens, you beat the Riders next week, you clinch the West Division. It's got to feel nice to know that everything is within your control. Yeah, I mean, honestly, um, I would say after that last preseason game. If you were to tell me that we were sitting at 12 and 2, a game away from clinching, and Edmonton was going to be in last place, and Sass cool, was going to yeah. be riding our tails, I mean, if you remember when Sass that last preseason game, you know, Clarice was going through concussions, Bridge wasn't completing passes, you were looking at them like, all right, you got to score on defense, or else yeah. you're not winning the game. And, and that was the case for not only the preseason, but like it felt like first the first month of the half. season. Yeah. yeah, but you know, I mean, shoot, Zach's coming back into Zach. Uh, doing what he does and leading that team to a lot of wins, and, and their defense is playing phenomenal. Um, and, I mean, you're looking at – I kind of wrote it down earlier. So, Ottawa, Hamilton, they're guaranteed in. Yep. Uh, Toronto and Montreal are out. So, now you got Winnipeg, BC, Edmonton that are all basically playing for the crossover. Um, one will get a dependent. spot in the west, one will get a spot in the east. Yeah, just depending on whether or not, obviously, Sass doesn't lose out, which I don't see happening. But, yeah, I mean, Winnipeg, they all kind of – and it's crazy because they're all playing each other. You know, none of them have Eastern opponents. Winnipeg's got Sass, us, and then Edmonton. BC's got us, Edmonton, Sass, us, and then Edmonton. Oh, Edmonton has one Eastern game. They've yeah, got Ottawa. They've got Ottawa, yeah. BC, and then and then Winnipeg. Edmonton's so. in the best spot in a lot of ways. Even though they've lost five of their last six, they're the only team of the three that plays both teams. They've, they've got a chance to beat both BC and, and Winnipeg. Winnipeg. Now, they have to do it, and all of a sudden they look like the most pedestrian team on offense in the league, How which is happened, crazy to no wrap your head around. But uh, they've got an, they're the only team that has the opportunity to do damage twice, and that's that's an interesting opportunity they've got. And each team's kind of got a little bit of, like, each team has a 
hammer. Edmonton's got that. BC's hammer is that they've got four games to go as opposed to just the three. Yeah. And, and Winnipeg's trump card right now is the fact that they've got the eight wins and the other team have seven. So you can, you can make a case for all three of those teams as to who's in the best spot. And the best part is it's all going to play out on the field. Right? Yeah, and that's, I mean, BC, I think they're in the toughest. They got, they, but they do have a game in hand, right? They have four games, um, but they've got us twice in Sask. You know, so I mean, that's, the and they won BC once on the road too. They got two road games. Weeks, uh, last two weeks of the year against Saskatchewan and yourself might not mean anything in the standings for certainly you guys, but maybe even Saskatchewan as well. So there's another factor that yeah, you know, they could BC play in there. theoretically could be up against not the best lineup for in their last two games that they play the their opponents. Yeah. I mean, and that's it. It's going to be interesting, man. It's going to be a clash. I know you had an article come out this morning. I was reading on that one. Um, it's, you said, I don't remember what you, you called the title, but you were like, let the... Embrace the chaos. Yeah, here, yeah, yeah. yeah, the chaos is about to ensue, and it definitely <laughs> is, that's for sure. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, man. It's going to be awesome because, you know, we're coming coming to the point in the season where everybody loves to watch coming to the playoffs. Um, you know, we've got, got to kind of find out who everybody is, so... Uh, we'll see what happens. Let me uh, bounce a couple of text questions off you first yep. because they are pertinent to the game. Somebody asks, when you're talking about players in X or players in Y, what does that mean? So when you're talking yeah, about Yeah, I guess I should Marquee talk more layman's Well, yeah, but it's, it's good. That's why people tune in because you talk football. But break that down. So when you talk about a guy in the X, what does that mean? Yeah, so basically, um, you know, we have five receiver positions. Uh, you have what would de- what defense we call the boundary one, which is the guy that lines up to all the way to the boundary. The boundary two, which is right next to me in the slot, and then your slot on the right side of the field. So the what we call the field side is from the, if we're on the left hash, it's the most side of the field. That's your field, and you have your boundary. So then, so basically, you have W X to the boundary, and you have Y R Z to the field. Um, it's always just been a you know an elementary thing for football. It's W X Y Z, and then the R and the fullback have always kind of switched in and out. Um, and the R was always just for receiver, and then F was for fullback. So those two guys, you know, switching it out, and they're usually Canadian positions because of the ratio. But, uh, yeah, so when I say X, it's the boundary slot to my left, and then uh, when I say Y, it's the field slot to my right. And you're saying Y is more difficult, just to 30 seconds or less, just because there's more field or the defense is, is looking at you more Speci- carefully? No, specifically because of our offense. Because okay. of our offense, we ask him to do the most as far as blocking, blitz protection, right. uh, blitz pickup, seeing hots, things like that. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a Nick Lewis, Mark Wade McDaniels is usually the most okay. veteran guy in your offense. And, uh, you know, KJ took that spot over this yeah, year. That was Kamar who was there before. Because he right? had been there for about five years, right? So he had the most grasp on our offense out of most of the receivers. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's a um, position we're looking to fill, and, and we'll see who does it. I like that answer. Yep. Smarter than I was two minutes ago. There we go. Uh, one more text, Patty. Why uh, why do you wear white socks when everybody else is wearing black? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, <laughs> can you answer it? Or? Yeah, no, I can't. Uh, I, I honestly did it because, um, I mean, guys are just looking to, you know, kind of focus on something different than than the fact that we've lost it the last five years. Um, and the back of our pants, they're red, and then the back of our pants are white. And you see everybody, you wear the color of what the back of your pants are, and we're the only team that doesn't do it. Um, so I was kind of showing showing Gio that it looks better, and all, <laughs> all, all the guys. So I was basically campaigning for next year, uh, getting our uniform changed up. But um, yeah, all all the guys were definitely uh, they they liked it and they wanted to switch to it too. But uh, after that game, I don't think I'll be doing it anymore. Fair, <laughs> That's I would understand. All right, that. we'll take a quick break and we come back. We'll talk a little bit more uh, CFL. Send in your texts. Ask ask me anything you want to know. If you want to. 
you know, learn a little bit more fo- about football or find out how to throw three picks and no touchdowns on Thanksgiving. <laughs> I can tell you how to do hey, it. Hey, at least you're owning it. It's easy when you win. <laughs> oh, and, uh, exactly. One, it's easier to joke about when you win. One of Bo's favorite teams has done a bit of work since we last chatted. We'll get to that as yeah. well. Oh, yeah. All right. You listen to the Bo Show on Sports at 960 Defense. Text your thoughts to Pinder and Steinberg anytime. The Glenmore Audi Fan Feedback Line is 960-960. Questions, thoughts, comments. Keep it clean. Normal charges apply. Check out glenmoreaudi.com. This is the Bo Show. Hell yeah, yeah. On Sportsnet 960 The Fan. The Bo Show for SML Entertainment. Pool tables, hot tubs, patio furniture, and much, much more. With four locations in Calgary, Cross Iron Mills, and Red Deer. Go to smlentertainment.com for details. All right, welcome back. Uh, send in, again, send in your text, CFL, if you have any questions. You want to talk any of the games, you want to talk why there was no offense this week, I could not tell you, but uh, it was definitely a defensive week for Thanksgiving. The Seagulls, man, I'm telling you. It's got to be what it is. <laughs> the bad luck seagulls. It's just the bad luck seagulls. You, you all of a sudden, uh, they all of a sudden just kind of take your energy away. And hey, man, I'm happy, man. We got to win. It's been five years. It feels good. Twelve and two. Twelve to six. <laughs> no, but your record <laughs> no, is twelve and two. No, right? I know. There were more. All the, the, the controversy bet- and you, sh- crap you've had to deal with. I almost said something there. Uh, twelve and two. The best. The best part about that game on Monday afternoon. More punts than there were points. More seagulls than really? points, to be 19 sure. 19 punts, 18 points wow. on Monday afternoon. Man. <laughs> that's ugly, That's man. rough to even hear. That's funny because <laughs> Maver always, like, before the game, the one thing he always says like, as I walk out, and he's that's like. That's 19 combined punts, by the way. Yeah. He's like, Bo, hey, I don't want to punt today. <laughs> I'm like, don't worry, you won't. <laughs> and then you lied right to his and face. 10 to 12 punts later. <laughs> um, do you recall the note we left off on last week? Oh, man, no, were I ta- don't. We were talking about Johnny Manziel and all the hype and the highlight packages, and they don't even show the other team's quarterback. Oh, I'm going to yep. show them some highlights in Montreal. <laughs> oh, they're this good. they're showing some highlights. Oh, we didn't. Not the right ones, but hey, I was the right. right team. They did not the show, highlights. They did well, not show the highlights. Well, in fairness, you, you had the only touchdown pass of the game, though. So at the very <laughs> I did. Least, I guess you were on the field when the touchdown was scored. Anyway, <laughs> so there was only one touchdown scored in the game, too, because everything else was field goals. and. Oh, yeah. That was painful to watch. Yeah. I won't lie. Yeah, but that that one did feel good, though, because it was 103 yards. Yes, it was a good drive. It was one of those, like, yes. all right. And, then, and hey, hey, I'll be honest, man. D- d- listen, we're 12-2, and two and we're the organization we are because it's not because we're just hands down better than everybody. It's not why. Uh, it's not because our talent is just that much better than everybody's. It's the fact that every single game people are going to try different things and find out how to take you down. And, I mean, when you're successful – and what you do, offensively, defensively, whatever it is, teams have to find a way to scheme against you to find out, hey, let's see if this is what stops them. Let's see if this is what works. And we we are the best and have been the best for a long time at finding out what a team is trying to do against us and how to compete against it. Now, are we always going to go out there and score 40 points? No. Are we always going to go out there and shut down their offense uh, from our defense? No. Our defense is going to give up points. Our offense is going to get shut down every now and then. But we find a way. And that's that's what was most important to me. Um, and obviously it sounds cliche and what I need to say because I didn't have any touchdowns and I had three picks. But it's the truth. There's the fact that, you know, teams like SAS trying different things, Edmonton, BC, Hamilton, they all tried different things against us than what they do all year. And you find a way to make it happen. And uh, teams haven't played man against us in years. 
I mean, it's pretty pretty darn consistent that teams come out and drop nine guys and, and blitz three and just try to, you know, take the slow death and hope that their offense puts up enough points that our guys, that we have to be patient. We don't get to put up that many points. But um, these last couple games, teams have said, you know what, let's see if we can play them in man and, and, and try to, you know, stop them that way. And, and is, they've been successful a little bit. And now we have to, you know, find a way to answer that and beat it. And I think that's, that's the thing that's kind of surprised us is we see on film every single week that their defense plays man, their defense plays man, and they come out and play us in its zone and all these different kinds of zones and combos and, um, you know, and different blitzes to, to, with only zone behind it. But to, to see man, it's almost surprising. You know, yeah. you get out there and you're like, it's got to be a trick. There's no way they're <laughs> actually going to go man against us. Um, and so some plays were made, some plays weren't, and, uh, and that's something that when I talk about compete level, it's not just effort, it's not just want, you know, the, the want to go out there and make a play, but it's the fact that sometimes we're not used to going up and making a bunch of one-on-one plays because typically we're going get zones and we're throwing, and I, you know, find an open hole and give it to the guy, and um, and they're having to catch the ball and break a tackle five yards later. So it's mm-hmm. uh, it's something that we're definitely going to have to learn to beat, and uh, I look forward to the challenge. It's going to be fun. Somebody asked on the, the text line, are early start times in the East difficult to adjust to? Everybody always makes so much about, for instance, BC going to play in Toronto or Montreal. Is is it difficult for you to, to go out and play East, and especially with those earlier games? Um, man, I mean, for, for, for myself personally, it's not because I'm up at 4.30 here. You know, sure. so even though our, our wake-up call over there was 8.45, which is, what, 6.45 here? So for me, it wasn't that much of an adjustment, but a lot of guys, and, and right, rightfully so, I mean, a lot of guys wake up around 7, 8 o'clock to get to the stadium for our 9 o'clock meeting. Um, and, I mean, it could be an adjustment. You know, I, I, I don't know the situation. I don't know what times guys wake up, so I don't want to sit here and comment, like, the fact that other other guys retired because, you know, I didn't handle my business out there. Right. So I don't want to say that. Um, I mean, it, it, it could be a part of it, but... You know, everybody's got to do it. Everybody's, you know, played early games this year, you know. So, um, like, again, like I said, everybody goes through things, but we've been the best at figuring that out and, and kind of handling it. And I think this is one of those challenges that it was a place we hadn't, you know, won in five years. We had to find a way to do it. And I don't know if we felt a, you know, a Bambino-type curse or something. But, uh, yeah, we got it done. What th- so what time are you usually at the stadium at? You usually get to the stadium at 5. So – your general manager wouldn't be crushing you in the media talking about how you're, <laughs> you're never there. No. Lionel is the only person that's there as early as me, and that's the security guard that stays there all night. So Can you, can you imagine if, if Huff went out and talked like Ed Hervey did about Jonathan Jennings? I was yeah, stunned man, by that, that whole thing. Yeah, it was uh, it was definitely surprising, but, you know, it's a business, and I think it's pretty telling on, you know, what he wants to do for the off season. You know what I mean? So. We'll see how that all goes down. It was it was funny because I got asked that like, how would you feel if Huff said that about you? And I was like, if Huff ever said that about me, I would expect my locker to be cleaned out when I got there. <laughs> you know, I don't think he would ever put up with a guy like yeah. that, someone that that's not there early enough. Um, the thing that got me was the agent firing back. I know. Because I texted my agent right away. I was like, if you ever fired back like that, I don't know if we'd be if we'd be working together anymore. So you didn't like the fact the agent went and did that? Uh, no, nah, man, I don't. Um, if somebody, you know, talks, I, I like that he stuck up for him, you know, but, uh, and maybe that's something Jonathan wanted to say, but he knows he can't say it, you know, uh, so his agent went out there and did it for him. But, um, you know, just if, if there, there's always people out there that want to talk and let those people talk, you know, to handle your business, your teammates know the truth. If you're there early and you're putting in the work, your teammates know it because they see it. So, uh, 
Let your teammates back you up. If you're And if you're wondering what we're talking about, Ed Hervey, the general manager of the BC Lions, comes out on an interview and says, yeah, you know what, I'm a little worried about Jonathan Jennings. He's, he's not always there. He's not the first one there, so on and so forth. His agent fires back through Dave Naylor at TSN and basically says, uh, Jonathan's there plenty early. Ed Hervey would know if he was ever there. It was kind of the Ooh. was kind of the paraphrase of it. It was like, where did this come from? This guys, this is a team still fighting for a playoff spot. It's not like they're Toronto or Montreal completely out of it. There's still everything to play for in BC. I don't know how much you caught of the Monday night last night, but Drew Brees set the all-time completion yardage mark and is one touchdown away from 500. And one of the things that, that comes up is they do the big bio on him for because he's playing in the wrong era. Like, he's an all-time great that might be the fourth or fifth best QB of his era, which is crazy because he had to deal with Favre and Brady and Manning and others. Uh, but they talked about how meticulous his work ethic is. How much of that formula for obviously you need to be skilled, but the amount of work and preparation you can do, running through what they were calling what is progressions, I believe, like yep. things like that. Like, how much of that is being great? Oh, man. Um I'll be honest with you. I worked out with Drew Brees, and that guy works. I mean, you're looking at the guy, and if you look him in his face, you know, you can tell he's older. You know what I'm saying? He's 39 years old, and he is in there outworking 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old kids. I'm in there, you know, just watching him in amazement, like, how does this guy do it? Um, and it's just something inside that, you know, you you see yourself one way. You don't let anybody else tell you any differently. And and he's lived that his whole life, and I think that's anybody that's great out there. It's not that it's not that anybody was just hands down gifted with a, an amazing right arm. You know, it, it, no, they work for it. They I couldn't throw a spiral until my junior year of high school. You know, it was something that I really I, I, yeah I never put a football down. I just continued to try to throw. I just continued to try to find that that arm slot that works for me. Um, and I believe that's the same with Drew Brees and Tom Brady and. Johnny Unitas, you know, I believe that anybody that's ever done it in the right way, that they've always had to work. And to watch Drew Brees, man, like you said, he's in the wrong area because he's definitely one of the best to ever do it. Um, but how cool How cool was that? The fact that basically it happens and the entire game stops. Well, it's perfect because it was a touchdown. Any other exactly. sequence and it gets clunky and awkward and you're saying, why are they doing this? Or absolutely, they should do this. But because there's a touchdown, there's no debate at all. It's like, yeah, honor the damn man. He just, yeah. he just did it. And oh, man. We can wait for the PAT. Who cares? And then and then the uh, the Peyton Manning commercial. Yes, wasn't that good? That was pretty cool. <laughs> um, and final one on that topic. Just the thought that you mentioned Brady and Breeze in the same conversation. I don't know about Unitas. You would. Both of those guys had chips on their shoulders. Breeze was always told he was too small and he wasn't going to be able to be a great NFL quarterback, and Brady was picked in the sixth round. Do you see the chip on the shoulder being an element of their success? Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, I, I'd hate to always continue to bring myself into it, but it's, it's how I am as well. I, I didn't get drafted. I got told by teams I was going to get drafted, and, and it's part of the business. Um and I had a chip on my shoulder I always have against the NFL for that reason that, you know, I've I've always seen myself as the caliber of player that can play there. But um, but the CFL gave me a chance and I love it here and I love everything we're doing. Uh, and absolutely, man, Tom Brady getting picked in the sixth round and seeing all these names before him. Aaron Rodgers watching guys sure. get picked before him and all of a sudden drops down to what, 26 in the first round. He was supposed to be the first Alex pick of the Smith draft. goes one. Yeah, <laughs> you don't think that. He's watched Alex Smith's stats every single week of the entire time he's ever played and made sure that no matter what, he outplays that guy. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it definitely plays a factor, having that chip on your shoulder. Being, someone telling you, somebody out there at some point has told every great athlete, 
You're you not going to do, do it. it. Yeah. There's no way. Hmm. You know, mine came at uh, at SMU, so I thank those guys because they they definitely drove me to be uh, to be a different person. Um, one set I did see that I loved last night was uh, he is 25,000 and 100 yards ahead of any other quarterback that is six foot one or shorter. Oh, huh. <laughs> well, and a lot of the guys like Russell Wilson, Baker Mayfield, and others immediately went to social media and said like, yeah, like we get looked at differently because Drew Brees. Like they don't have the, as many people saying they can't do it right. because he's he's been a pioneer on that. We front. have, hey, we have the ability to play right now because of him. Yeah. Because guys like him. And really, not guys like him. Him, he proved that we can do it. That just because your O line is six foot five and you're six foot doesn't mean you can't do it. Doug Flutie's one of those guys. Dave is one of those guys. Jeff Garcia is one of those guys. Yeah. Um, is it tougher for us? Absolutely. It, you got to look around an O lineman instead of over him. But um, there's still ways to do it, man. Well, it's funny because I mean we talked so much about Breeze and we talked about it last week, right? But when he was going to set the record about how San Diego said no, we're going to move on to Phillip Rivers, and we're not mm-hmm. sure about your shoulder. Miami balked and said no, your Dante shoulder's Culpepper. no good. Please, Dante Culpepper, come here. And New Orleans was the team that showed him, hey, we we want you. They stepped up, and all of a sudden he has made his home with the New Orleans Saints. That's where he's had the the most success. And he was not a first-round pick. He was he was still a high pick. He was a second-round pick. Do you know the only quarterback taken ahead of him in that draft? I just went and looked it up. Ahead of Drew Brees? What year was it? 01. Oh, man. Uh, no, I don't. It's not going to be good, is it? Michael Vick is the only oh, okay. quarterback who went yeah. ahead of Drew Brees in that draft. But huh. still, th- throughout the entire time, people were wondering, yeah, is this guy a first-rounder? No, probably not. He's not big enough. It's, all the guy's ever had is people telling him, no, no, you can't, mm-hmm. you can't. And here he is as the, you know, as an NFL record holder. It's pretty cool to see. And, and everybody you ever hear talk about him who's played with him talks about him as, as the ultimate teammate. I just remember going into the, the Super Bowl and the win they had over Indianapolis. They, they had guys on the offense talking about how when this guy gets into the huddle, He's the only guy they've ever seen that like goes down on one knee and talks up into the huddle because he's that intense and he wants he doesn't want anybody to ever think that he's talking down to them. He wants them to. It, it, it was just the coolest thing to see how how well revered inside that locker room a guy like Breeze is. Man, I and I don't doubt it. You're, Where did you cross paths with him? Sorry to interrupt. Oh no worries. Uh, in San Diego, um, Fitness Quest Ten. So just working out in an off season. Well, I, I, I that's when I went down there to work with Jeff and. Okay. Um, a guy named Jeff Ginsenberger actually got a hold of me and, and let me know that, you know, Darren Bro- uh, Darren Sproles, um, Mark Sanchez, Drew Brees, um, McCoy, the D lineman. Uh, Gerald McCoy. Gerald McCoy is Bay. all is all working out um, down to Fitness Quest Ten and, and this amazing trainer. And so I want to go down. I was like, yeah, I mean, you know, whatever the cost, you know, I'm already here. I'll come down and train. I'll watch you guys. And he's like, no, no, you don't need to watch. You can work out with us. And I was like. What do you mean I can work out with you? I, I can work out with Drew Brees? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, you're going to come in here, you're going to work out the pros and see how it's done. And I was like, let's do it. So showed up that day and, and um, you know, wanted to throw up everything that was in, in my stomach that I'd eaten for the last couple of days. Wow. Um, how they, long ago they was work, that? man. Uh, that was right before the 14 Grey Cup. Okay. Yep. It was uh, definitely a special time, man, because, you know, like Baker and all those guys said, Drew is one of those guys I looked up to my entire life. He's the reason I wore nine. Um in high school and in college, so it was uh, it's definitely cool to see that happen. We want to give away those uh, give away those stamps tickets before the break. Cause, uh, Let's do it. Um, we've got stamps tickets two, four. We got four. So we have two winners. All right, let's do it. Two so pairs. Two, two yeah. sets of two. We got two pairs here for this Saturday's game at six o'clock against BC. Um, 
Ooh, let's see. How do we do this? I got a, I got a good trivia question. Let's get, let's hear it. Because I'm looking at it right now. Uh, give me the player. He was a nine six zero nine six zero. Need your first and last name on the text. Longtime tight end who was taken right before Drew Brees in the 2001 NFL draft. All right. Is that for both? Yeah. First two. First, first two people to get that. Yeah. All right. First two. I guess. You got a guess? Yeah. Okay, let's see if you get it in the break. Okay, we'll come All back. Right, see we'll if take I a know quick anything. break. You're listening to Bo Show on Sports at 960 Defense. Back to the Bo Show for SML Entertainment. One, two, three. On Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, welcome back, man. Been, been killing it with the music. First off, Good is that, is that lo- who's, who's back there right you now? Matty Rose. Matty Rose is? Oh. All right. Top the list now. Nalt's taken taken down to number two in the power rankings. Oh, thank <laughs> you. I like that, too. Uh, I appreciate it. <laughs> oh, man. All right, so we've got uh, we've got some winners over there. Yeah, Pat. okay. So, first, so we asked the question. We got our winners. Congratulations to Brian and Chad. You oh, are. Oh, wait, did you want see if you could guess it? That's right. So, the question was, what longtime NFL tight end was taken one pick before Drew Brees in the 20, 2001 NFL draft. And you said he was a second-round pick? Uh, Brees was the first pick of the second round. This player was the last pick of the first round. Long time. I'm thinking, should I be thinking offensive or just? Yeah, pick? he was pretty good for a little while there. He was one of the first, like, big fantasy tight ends. A lot of people liked him. Okay, so I know it's not Witten. I know it's not... Uh, uh, the guy I thought, t- Tony Gonzalez. Yeah, it was not Gonzalez. And it's not, not Witten, Gates, not apparently. Gates. But he was in that same conversation for the longest time. He was kind of the fourth guy in that conversation. Who was the other guy? Model good looks. I don't know. Who is it? Baltimore Ravens. Pittis? Todd Heap. Oh, Heap, of yeah. course. Uh, Man. So forgettable. <laughs> yeah, the guy the guy was kind of that the fourth best fantasy yeah, tight end for yeah, the longest no, you're time. Right, you're like, right. He was, that's he a good a, that's some good trivia there. That is a good trivia. I had forgotten about Todd Heap. That was a good draft. Chad Johnson went four picks after Drew Brees. Algie Crumpler. Algie Crumpler. Went to Algie three picks after. No, he was Atlanta tight end, wasn't yeah. he? Yep. Wow. Reggie Wayne went uh, one pick oh. before Heap. Man, what a draft. Yeah. Deuce McAllister went twenty third. Uh, Santana Moss, 16. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Richard Seymour went number six. LaDainian Tomlinson went number five. What are all the highlight, LT highlight went yellow? Five. What is all the highlight yellow? Uh, the Pro Hall of Famer Pro, Pro Bowlers. Bowlers. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Leonard Davis, Michael Vick. That's a draft right there. Yeah, that was a good draft. That's <laughs> a good first man. couple rounds, no doubt. Jeez. All right. Uh, we'll get back to the text line here in a little bit. I do want to talk a little MLB because my beautiful Houston Astros. Take care of business. Take the sweep. Yeah. And here's the best part. There was I don't know who the athlete was, and I wish I had a sound clip. I should have told Maddie before this happened. But uh, I guess there was one of the Cleveland Indians players that did an interview before the series, and he just continued to say, you know, oh, they're not anything special. Um, you know, they're no different than us, blah, blah, blah. And then now after, obviously, the sweep, you know how people are immediately in, on the Internet and Twitter and Photoshop, mm-hmm. um, they put that – kind of sound real together like they're nothing special they're nothing special and it's just highlights of houston home runs (laughs) so uh so that feels good man houston gets a sweep uh waiting to find out um who's gonna win between boston and new york boston takes uh the series right now so far two to one winning the last game 16 to one in new york um 
So they go back to New York, and then they're back in Boston, game five. Purcello Sabathia tonight, 607, first pitch, Sportsnet West, and one. That will be a gem because if this rivalry's taught us anything, the Yankees will make a statement. And this will go and whether five. whether Boston can overcome that with late heroics or not, I mean, it's just how often do we see these things where they peter out? They're usually just epic. And yep. if it's going to be epic, this has to go late tonight or we're playing game five. Yeah. And I'll, I'll be honest, man, I <laughs> I want New York to win. Yeah, but I get it because they're not <laughs> I do not want to play Boston. I'm watching yeah. Houston. I, I love what we're doing. But, man, Boston looks dangerous. Cause I, they, they can put these games together. Oh, they just hit. They just hit, hit, hit. That whole lineup is, is mental. And the thing, the difference between them and the Yankees, in my opinion, is so much more strikeout. They're swing and miss in that Yankees lineup. Yeah. Well, and and the best part of a Boston is they've got the ability to flex uh, David Price to the bullpen. They're like, you know what? You know what? You yeah. are who you are. You can't pitch in the postseason. We'll throw you in the You're bullpen. You're lefty. Yeah. yeah. Sure. It's it's in and I mean the David Price storyline's insane that he just cannot doesn't matter what team he's with he Too much cannot Fortnite Pat that <laughs> must be what the deal is he can't pitch in the postseason so they just have this guy who is outstanding for him in the regular season they can just throw him in the bullpen because they've got Chris Sale they've got Porcello going tonight they, they've got that type of depth it's ridiculous so yeah I'd be cheering for the Yankees too all right so let me ask if let's so we go Houston Boston Houston New York the winner of that is that your champion. Is there any way Milwaukee or, L- or L.A.? Dodgers are deep. The Dodgers still scare Dodgers me. can pitch. Dodgers can hit. Um, yeah, the Dodgers are scary. They were there now, last they've, they've year. They've been the team that's been scary forever and have never gotten over that hump. But I would think the only team L.A. wouldn't be favored against, in my opinion, would be Boston. Boston. Yeah. You and that's just odds makers. I mean, obviously, I, I especially in baseball, if you play best of fives. like. But you think even with last hot, year and hot. this year happening that Houston, L.A., L.A. is favored? Yeah. You throw Machado into the mix in L.A., it, yeah. it, I Kershaw. think it probably would be. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, th- again, it's – But Kershaw's been – I mean, what, they didn't pitch him game one, right? No. No. And I guess they, it was some big – because he now, hasn't been pitching well. I mean, Kershaw's got kind of the same rap as David Price does in the postseason. Is that he just hasn't been anywhere near as effective in the postseason as, as he has been in the regular season. But I still feel more com- comfortable putting Kershaw in there, and I – some point he's going to have to have one of those lights out performances in the postseason. This and he is, will. I think he will. Oh yeah, I mean he's he's one of the greats. He he will. Um, who scares Who scares you more, Milwaukee or LA? I mean LA. Yeah. I couldn't even told you that Milwaukee was <laughs> in that in that part of the series. Yeah. I, I haven't heard a lot about them this year. Um, and maybe that's scary. Scrappy. You know, the, uh, the unknown. But even just watching last year, it was just. You know, in the Houston versus L.A., it was just home run after home run after home run. And we just ha- each game that we won, we just happened to have a man on base during one of our <laughs> home runs where they didn't. You know, maybe it was a walk, maybe it was a hit, whatever. But our home run was a two-run home run, and theirs was a one. Yeah. So that's, you know, kind of how we got away from that series. So I was reading something on Altuve over the weekend when he is just present and in the lineup. The record versus when he's not. Remember that swoon they oh, had midseason yeah. where all of a sudden Seattle and Anaheim were close? And oh, I yeah. want to say like May or June. No Altuve? Altuve was out. Yep. Altuve is the glue here. But that said, oh, you look at George Springer, what he's done in the postseason. All of a sudden, it's a big hit, big hit. But it all seems to happen when Altuve is there. That's a special team. Man, so I I think I found this out uh, during the first bye week. So you guys know I went down to San Fran and we went and watched yeah, Houston-San right. Fran. Mm-hmm. Um, no Altuve, no Springer. No Gurriel, uh, no Bregman. 
<laughs> so I go to watch the Astros, and I'm like, I don't get to watch the Astros. Great. Where are the Astros? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I'm cursed when it comes to these professional games when I go to them because uh, one of mine and Maddie's, my wife's first date we went on was a Houston Rockets game. And we go – because they're playing – and I try to find out who they're playing. They're playing the L.A. Clippers. I was like, perfect. That's a great game. Chris Paul. Um, God, I can't even think of his name right now. But the dunker. Oh, Blake Griffin? Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin. Both out. Yeah. Like, they're both supposed to play in the game, and then game time decision not to not play him. Like, we're sitting in the stands, and I I get the alert on my phone. You know, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin will not play tonight versus Houston. I'm like, this what am I doing here? No no James Harden either. And I was like, Jeez. this is awful. What are we going to watch? So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I think what I'm going to start doing is, is I'm going to find out who – I'm playing in fantasy and who they really need to win, and I'm going to go watch the game and make sure, <laughs> make sure that person doesn't play. Uh, uh, we got any good text on the text line? Well, i got to go way down because all these all these texts oh, the Todd, are the winners. The Todd see. heaps. Let's see what we got here. Uh, what do we got here? Did you know that in 2001 the quarterback trio for the Chargers is Drew Brees, Doug Flutie, and Dave Dickinson? I do. I was there. I, do. I shook hands with the Dave's man. Got a, Dave's got a picture in his office of it. Pretty uh, cool. It's a pretty epic picture, to be honest with you. Yeah, Bo, that's some good lineage there. Like, it's not a, good a bad deal. little run. Bo, how would you feel about moving the Grey Cup back to Canadian Thanksgiving? Well, so now. That's really early. That's <laughs> really well, early. Well, now. Wait till the good weather comes around in November. <laughs> please, please. Uh, yeah, please. Yeah. Uh, Bo, are you worried about Saskatchewan? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, shoot, I'm, at this point, I'm worried about every team. Right now, it's kind of the unknown. You know, you got to you gotta find yourself, and we're in that situation. We have to find ourselves right now. Uh you know, we don't – we're not playing with all the guys we played with at the beginning of the year. You know, we've got to continue to find out who we are and what we're doing um, and kind of just where we're going to go from here. And, and I, I think it's – to me, it's more exciting. I think the last couple of years we've gone into these last four games with a known of who's our guys and, and, and how we're going to run our offense. But I think everybody out there has known that. You know, they, when they play us, here's what we're going to get. You know, here's how they're going to try to beat us. Um, and we try to out-athlete you kind of. But right now, I think it's, I think it's kind of fun because I know Dave's in there today scheming up, you know, who he's going to put where and how we're going to do this. And, and these next couple of games are going to be testing things out. Uh, and I'm excited for it, man. I like the unknown. I like the challenge. And I think it's going to be fun. Have so a good – sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, let me hear you guys' predictions on uh, Winnipeg, BC, Edmonton. Who, Who's in the West? Um, who crosses over and who's out? BC's out in my mind, and I'll say uh, Edmonton pulls off the feet and stays in the West. Winnipeg crossover that would be against all odds, like really? probability. I would odds. say probability wise, because BC got of, four games as of this last two weeks. That's probably the yeah against all odds right there. I will say Winnipeg plays Saskatchewan. Edmonton goes to play either Hamilton or Ottawa. BC out. Man, I've yeah. Both of us have BC out. Y- y'all both said it. I mean, they've got to play us twice, but. They got I mean, a tough schedule. Two against Calgary, one against Saskatchewan, like that's, and then one against Winnipeg. So the only we'll thing is that they've got. I, I mean, this week is obviously important. They have they have four games left. Edmonton has three, and Edmonton's going to Ottawa. And Ottawa's not playing bad right now. You know, so that's not a that's not a guaranteed win for anybody. The way that everybody's playing, uh, you know, offensively, and then Edmonton, BC next week. That's I think that's going to answer it for you. You know, I think if BC pulls that off next week against Edmonton, um, yeah, you have a first. You might have Edmonton's a first in playoffs trouble. in a while. Yeah, that. I mean, it's, but again, here's the interesting interesting thing to me. 
So if no divisions right now, you've got we're guaranteed, uh, you know, West Final or whatever division you want to call it. Yep. Uh, SAS is guaranteed. Winnipeg's in the playoffs. BC's in the playoffs. Or no, sorry, it'd be Ottawa would be after Winnipeg. So Winnipeg, Ottawa, Hamilton would be the team that's out right now. I mean, they'd be well. I guess Hamilton would be fighting with BC and Edmonton yeah. for the last spot. Yeah. But. yeah, you could have all five teams in, is what you're saying, and that's that's the West being the West of late. That's kind of how it's gone. It feels like the last half decade. And and what's interesting to me is, and I don't know why and what happened. Why did they move Winnipeg back into the West? Because they needed to move Ottawa into the East, so they thought Winnipeg was better suited in the West. And, and I think ticket-wise, like the Saskatchewan-Winnipeg rivalry is probably something they would probably covet in the West. If you asked Winnipeg, they'd prefer that, I would think. But division-wise, you don't have to change anything schedule. Yeah, I mean, there's nine teams. You know, no, what I but mean? you only play out of division twice, whereas you get a third game a lot of years against Saskatchewan if you're in the West. Yeah, which anyway. I think they have, right? They had home and home, and now they're playing against them this week. There you go. Yeah. Um, what time is it? We're Four, over. 4.05. We got to run. Real quick, last thing I want to talk about. Willie Jefferson play. Something else. Oh! Like, what? I mean, the guy's an absolute freak. He's... I mean, that's that's one of those where, you know, people ask me, like, I can't believe Mike threw a pick six to lose a game. I was like, Mike didn't throw a pick six to lose a game. Willie, Willie Jefferson, Jefferson made that play. Willie Jefferson made an amazing play to win a game for his team down 12-9 with a minute and 30 seconds left. Um, and that's a play that only he makes, you know, six foot five, six, whatever. He, you know, face a blitz, hides behind the line as a six foot five player and, and you know, two hand snags a slant route. Um, not many guys out there that can do that. So hats off. That's he might be the biggest, a- that, best the athlete in the CFL. It's ridiculous. Yeah, he's he's a freak. That's well, that's got sure. sting for Edmonton, I'll tell you that, way. eh? Yeah, that Ooh. was a rough one. Even watching the interview after, it was it was tough to watch. All right, well. We've got uh we've got BC this uh this weekend Saturday at six we'll see you guys there maybe bring shorts maybe bring snow jacket I can't tell you somewhere <laughs> in between maybe yeah. Environment Canada says it might be twenty the weather <laughs> the weather said it might be negative two snowing so yeah. we'll see you guys there do you listen to Bo show top city hell yeah appreciate you guys.